welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, this is From Checkered to Green, the podcast, all about racing as told by three lifelong race fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome to episode 29. I am David Maya. Alongside me is my colleagues, Elliot Tardiff and Ryan Colt. Ryan. Cold pack. Sorry, you man. Have a problem here. Butcher name, <laughs> gentlemen. Good evening. <laughs> good evening, sir. Just call me the butcher tonight. All Don't right. tap me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you doing, gentlemen? Well, October is fast around the corner, so um, that that might very well work for a Halloween costume or something, David. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but now I'm doing, yeah, cue the, uh, uh, my Goldfield tubular bells. Right. But anyway, um, nah, things are going well down here. Um, you know, family's doing great. Um, and, uh, finally starting to get a little bit of cooler weather here. It was, um, we had a pretty hot stretch there for a little while. Um, but it's finally starting to tail off. We had a, um, a really strong cold front work through this last week. And recent days here, it's actually been cool enough. We need uh, a jacket to go outside in the mornings now. So, um, but uh, very crisp fall-like air visiting us here in the Carolinas. Ryan, how about you? It's a pretty similar story here in Western New York. Uh, I took a step outside early this morning and you could see it in the sky. You could smell it in the air. Autumn has arrived. Whether you people like it or not is really immaterial because you take one look at the calendar and goes, yep, it's here. But besides being a bit crisp, as one would expect at this time of the year, pleasant day overall. Good deal. Same here. I mean, it is fall in the air. Quote Jeremy White on WGR. It's the elite season. I mean, we got football going. Leaves are turning. And tomorrow we're going to have one nice day here in Syracuse. It's going to be about 70-something, and I'm going to be using my smoker to make some chicken wings for Sunday. Oh, nice. Applewood smoked, and the nice thing is, is the, this past weekend I did bacon on the smoker. Oh, nice. Good are, you doing, are you doing sauce or dry rub? Um, the recipe I saw is actually going to um, have a, um, you, you pat dry the wings, get the moisture out of them. Then you shake them in some baking powder and salt. All right. Um, that's going to make them a little bit more crispier in the smoker. Mm-hmm. Season them up a little bit. I'll probably throw a little paprika in there just to give them a little, um, you know, a little bite there, but then I'm going to use, I've got some sauce. I bought some Bill's Mafia sauce, shameless plug. Um, and I bought medium and or mild and barbecue and it is going to be fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. But gentlemen, 
Let's get into it. We've got a really good episode for you tonight. We're actually going to have a bonus segment tonight. We've got a longer checkered broken up into two parts covering a bunch of racing. And then we got a very special bonus segment for you tonight that we're going to break down the NASCAR 2022 schedule and have a nice little round table. But gentlemen, let's jump in it. Let's talk about the last two races of the playoffs and we can talk about it. Elliot, you want to take us away with Richmond and Bristol? Yes, sir. Um, so Richmond was very much uh, a Joe Gibbs playground. Um, we've talked before about how this season and how these playoffs seem to have a Gibbs versus Hendrick tilt to them. And by and large, that is exactly how it played out um, at, at Richmond a couple of weeks ago. Um, Martin Truex Jr., who for a long time could not win a short track to save his life, um, led 80 laps, according to racingreference.info, and took the win ahead of one of the dominant cars of the evening, his teammate, Denny Hamlin, racing on his home track. Um, Christopher Bell finished third. So one, two, three for, for Joe Gibbs. Uh, Chase Elliott and Logano rounded out the top five, uh, followed by Larson, Chastain, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Ryan Blaney. Um, so by and large, uh, a Gibbs night through and through. Uh, the remaining playoff drivers in the field, Bowman finished 12th, Keselowski 13th, Almirola 14th, Reddick 15th, Byron 19th, Michael McDowell 28th, and Kurt Busch was in a crash early on and finished dead last in 37th place. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Well, I got to say, I mean, that first, that, that race, I, I saw the highlights. I missed the actual race. But I, I watched the highlights of it, and Truex, unbelievable. I mean, he got nailed right on the start for jumping the start and had to make that long drive-through, that pass-through in the pits. He ends up going down laps, and he came back. I, I mean, talk about bounce back, because Richmond's a track that if you get down early – it's difficult to to make that ground so to be in the hole like that and come back and beat your teammate who you jumped at the start was very good um the one thing that i the one thing that i noticed um that i noticed with the kurt bush crash was he just lost it and I, I think that was just very tough for him. Um, you know, Richmond's a track that is tough on brakes. It's, I mean, night races, you see the cherry glow of those brakes. You see the tire. I mean, tires can wear down quick. Um, you, it's, it's one of those tougher tracks. And for him to do well, that was very good. The other thing was Kyle Busch bouncing back from Darlington. And I think that that helped him out well. But overall, it was a really good race. Ryan, your thoughts? 
Oh, I thought it was an absolutely solid race from beginning to end. And as you gentlemen have both eloquently stated, uh, Martin Truex Jr. really showed that veteran driving skill of his to not only make up that penalty on the short track of all places and flex that veteran muscle to get it all the way back and at the end, take the coveted checkered flag. Say what you will, but that's somebody who's definitely hungry for a championship. It is. Most certainly. Yep. Um, and that kind of leads into the following race. Um, and there's there was a lot that happened out of this one, uh, not the least of which because it's Bristol, but also because um, it was the final race of the first round of the playoffs. So we were going to go from 16 drivers to 12. Um, and there was a lot of activity around that cutoff position of 12th place. Um, and going into that race, so coming out of Richmond, um, you had, there was a tie between yeah. Bowman and Kurt Busch. Um, and then Reddick was five points behind him, Tyler Reddick. And then William Byron was 12 points behind um, the, the tie at 12th place. And Almirola was only three points to the good. Kyle Busch, eight points to the good. And Brad Keselowski, 13 points to the good. Again, these are all according to racingreference.info. So there was a, um, a lot of very nervous race teams going into, um, into Bristol. And Bristol did not disappoint at, at all. Um, it was exactly what NASCAR fans have come to expect from Bristol over the decades. Short track, high banks, a lot of contact, some frayed tempers afterwards. And um, at the end of the day, he who won was, won a hard fought race. Um, and in this case, it was Kyle Larson um, answering the call from the Gibbs teams the previous week at Richmond um, and indeed all of the Hendrick teams uh, answering uh, the challenge laid down by the Gibbs teams as well. Um, Larson taking the win over Kevin Harvick, much more on that in a minute. Um, William Byron finishing third and Alex Bowman finishing fifth. Chase Elliott finished well down the order in 25th, but played heavily into uh, the lead of the race, uh, both himself and uh, also his actions later on in the race as well. Um, Kevin Harvick finished second. Uh, Ryan Blaney finished fourth. Um, other playoff drivers, uh, Keselowski sixth. Truex finished seventh. Um, Hamlin finished ninth. Logano 11th. Reddick 12th. Almirola 18th. Kurt Busch 19th. Kyle Busch 21st. Michael McDowell, 24th, again, Chase Elliott, 25th, and Christopher Bell finishing well down the order in 29th. A um, lot to uh, take out of this race. Um, and let's, let's start with the big uh, story of the night. Um, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott racing hard for the win late. Uh, both had fast cars all night and were contenders for the win. And with, I think, about 35 laps to go, they went into, I think it was turn one, 
And Harvick slid up the track and into the side of the nine car. It cut down uh, Chase Elliott's left front tire, uh, knocking him out of contention. He had to pit under green. And uh, Chase Elliott didn't think very much of that and uh, came back out on track, um, nerfed the left side of the, the four car, and then um, proceeded to get out ahead of the four, but position himself in such a way that uh, the four couldn't run his optimum racing line. And in so doing, that allowed Chase Elliott's teammate, Kyle Larson, to come from over a second back late in the race, catch and pass the four car and win. Um, so Kyle Larson picks up yet another win on the season. Um, you know, after some hard luck early, um, he has really turned it on and turned it around and is most definitely um, establishing himself as somebody to be reckoned with at Phoenix and is amassing the, the uh, bonus points, playoff points to ensure that he will be there. So um, afterwards, um, uh, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott had a very frank discussion on pit road. Um, they had some very frank comments uh, to offer the, the media. Um, and that conversation continued after post-race. Um, and uh, both drivers taking exception to uh, media in the area decided um, to take a page out of old school NASCAR and settle this behind closed doors in one of the haulers. And um, given the fact that the hauler in question, there was actually the nine hauler, Chase Elliott's hauler, um, was able to leave not that long afterwards per the Hendrick Motorsports Twitter feed, um, indicates that it was not being impounded for a crime scene of any kind. So um, that is to say that uh, both drivers were uh, able to um, express their disagreement, whether they came out of there with uh, an agreement to disagree or, or whatever the case, um, they were able to say their piece and move on. So um, my thoughts on what happened, quite frankly, I think the four used up the nine. Uh, the four slid up the track and into the side of the nine. And um, if you make contact with another car, um, then, you know, and especially if you initiate that contact, you slide up into somebody, right? Then you own whatever immediate consequences are to that other car. So Chase Elliott's tire got cut down. Guess what? Kevin Harvick has to own that. And the consequences of that were that Elliott came back out on track and ran into the side of the four and then proceeded to either disrupt his line, disrupt his speed, just plumb flat be in his head um, until uh, the five car got by him. And that was the end of his bid, uh, end of Harvick's bid to win his first race of the season. So, um, you know, in a way, uh, you know, in a few different ways, it was old school racing um, at its most evident whether you like it or not. Gentlemen, what do you think? I, I got to agree with you, Elliot. It, it, it definitely was old school racing. I mean, that incident, I mean, between Harvick and Elliot, I mean, it, it's Bristol. 
I mean, tempers always flare at Bristol. It's not the first time. I mean, there's just so, I mean, there's just so choice lines you have to do, I mean, to try to get around their track. And, you know, I do, I think what happened was, I mean, wrong on Harvick's part or Chase Elliott's part? No. I, you know, that's racing. I mean, Harvick got into Chase Elliott. I mean, they're both fighting for the win. I mean, Chase definitely felt, hey, you just took my win away cutting the tire down. It could have been worse was that he could have um, got, you know, he could have gotten, um, you know, he could have bumped him out of the way and Chase could have crashed. Um, and you know, what would happen there? I mean, it, it is racing and that's what racing is. And the, I, I understand where Harvick's coming from and I understand where Chase is coming from, but it's racing and they worked out their differences. I mean, they didn't fist fight. Um, I mean, it almost looked like they were going to, but at least they got, you know, they talked out afterwards, not like some dri- other drivers this past year who don't talk it out. So, I mean, I give kudos for Chase handling it like a man. Same with Harvick. Um, in regards to the win, great job for Carl Larson. I will say I was on pins and needles at the end. I mean, Kyle Busch cut a tire down. You know, these cars are cutting tires down and the playoff field really jumbled. And, you know, it in the end, you know, there were four guys who were out of it, including um, Eric Elmarola and um, Tyler Reddick and Kurt Bush. So, and oh, and McDowell. I mean, yep. McDowell was kind of out of it way beforehand but yeah those guys just you know it just you know ended that way for them so you know i think you know i i think in the end it it was a good race and i think it's gonna set up for the next round ryan your fault your thoughts well i'm in agreement with both of you that i feel Harvick was the one who initiated the contact with Elliot, and obviously the result is out there for all the world to see now. And I'd be lying to say if uh, I, my heart didn't skip a beat when I saw the tire shred and then, oh God, are we going to see a crash? And to Elliot's credit, he maintained control. You, you got to give him a lot of respect for that under that kind of pressure. And it basically is. As far as the result of the race goes, it's just been that two-sided coin that this season seems to have been. It's like when one team, in this case, Gibbs team, won the last race, the coin flips, and the response from their long-standing rivals here have just going to show that it's going to be a slugfest to the very end, and neither of these teams are going to give an inch. And to both of them, they have my respect and I look forward to seeing how that plays out for the rest of the season. 
most certainly indeed. And I think it's going to be a, a great setup for the next nine races we or sorry, the next seven races we have in the in the playoffs. It's going to be exciting. But with that, I think, you know, I I think the excitement's going to be there, but we'll have to see what happens. Indeed. It's also worth noting um, that the Bristol race weekend across the board um, featured some really scintillating finishes across all the major oh, series. That that um, finish Friday night was amazing. That that was Earnhardt Labonte like. Yes. Yep. And um, I'm not talking about 99. I'm talking about 95. 95. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mo- most yep. certainly. Yep. You know, arguments was, here. Yep. Uh, for those of our listeners who uh, haven't seen it, jump on YouTube, look for the highlights uh, from that race. It was an amazing uh, last few laps. I think it was so, a, a green, white checkered um, and ended I, with the winner and second place car crossing the finish line sideways out of control, a la uh, Kenseth and Tony Stewart um, back in 2012. I'll, I'll just put it this way. I had um, Almondinger's radio on when that happened at the end on the NASCAR app. Um, I had to mute it because of the all the... Um, all the words that were coming out that I can't say due to I don't want to get in trouble with the FCC. Yeah, oh, I believe it. Um, yeah, so, it was. There was probably a lot of extreme emotions being had there. I'll confess I yeah. didn't listen to it myself, but um, you know, and, and we're going to go to break here in a minute. But Xfinity is is shaping up to be an excellent uh, playoff too. I mean, you've got. Uh, the junior motorsports guys, Noah Gregson's finally getting his uh, season figured out mm-hmm. uh, after so many missed opportunities early on. All guys still strong. Um, you've got Austin Sendrick, who everybody had pegged as being the runaway favorite for the championship this year. And by and large, he hasn't disappointed. Um, he's, he's got a strong car. He's got a strong team. He's got a, a bunch of wins going into the into the uh, the playoffs. Um, as a matter of fact, if memory serves, he is tied with AJ Almendinger for the most playoff points going into yeah. the Xfinity playoffs. Yeah, um, but, but with that said, Sindra um, gets seeded first because he had the better finish. He had he had more wins. There you go. But at the same time, like I said, Almendinger is tied for the most playoff points with Sindrick. Mm-hmm. anybody that had that on their 2021 bingo card i'll shake your hand right now um you know bingo seen, sorry yeah. <laughs> i mean we've seen flashes of brilliance out of almondinger in in years you know in recent years in the xfinity series but um that they took the leap and went full-time with it this year and on the condition that this is going to be fun um and that this is going to be a fun experience for AJ Allmendinger, who is notorious for not really having a lot of fun on the race car sometimes, um, kind of speaks to um, the the how how they have answered or how Allmendinger in particular has answered that challenge 
and in so doing has th thrived um, late in his career. And, you know, one could even say uh, thrived in uh, a manner that not really, not a lot of people really expected. You know, who would have expected Almondinger to win at Bristol, to win at Vegas, to win at so many of these tracks that he's won at this year? I mean, he's really outperformed, I think. And you know what? That's, that's the mark of somebody that you cannot overlook in the championship because as far as I'm concerned, he's going into this with nothing to lose at all. Yeah. And the attitude of uh, colleague racing, Chris Rice, everybody on that team, I think is reflective of it. They're, they're, um, to me, there's shades of the 2004 Red Sox in there where you know, they're kind of the band of, band of idiots, but yet you know, they're coming in and they're winning all the time. So um, it'll be an interesting playoffs to, to watch for them. Um, gentlemen, your thoughts? I, I, I have to, I have to agree with that. It's, I mean, colleague is, is coming around, you know, th this is kind of the boost they need going into next year, especially yeah. with them looking to try to jump into cup full time as well. Um, yep. I think, you know, I think if they win it, it's really good. Almondinger definitely coming around. I mean, he is talented, but that team is is really good. And I think, you know, we've seen this come on for years now. That colleague is just coming into their own and coming to fruition. And mm -hmm. you're going to, I mean, they're going to be a force to reckon with. You need that. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a team besides a um, Penske or a, a Gibbs or a, um, you know, there's points there was a Roush dominance, um, a junior motorsports dominance. You know, I mean, you just, we, we haven't had that in a while. And yep. I think that that's really good for them. Yep. And, you know, you talk about the strength of college racing, David, and I mean, uh, you know, don't let's, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Justin Haley and Jeb Burton, you know, both mm -hmm. of whom have had solid seasons and have visited victory lane, uh, at least once each of them. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of strength, um, in that team and, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a wide open, uh, almost to, to, um, a similar extent as, as the, the, the cup series after round one. Um, by the way, it's worth noting, you have even manufacturer representation in the Cup Series heading into round two now. You've got four Toyotas, four Fords, four Chevys. Yeah, and that's going to be that's going to be very interesting when we get down to the, the round of eight. Who, Indeed. Who, who's there? So, yep. but with that said, we've got a break coming up. And then on the other side of the break... We're going to be talking about the open wheel racing that has happened to IndyCar races and an exciting Formula One race. But right now, our producer, Ryan, is going to tell us about where you can hear us in our social media. We'll be back on the flip side. This is From Checker to Green.
The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Are you enjoying what you're hearing? Join the conversation. Find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the From Checker to Green podcast. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Tell us. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Let us know. Your feedback helps us generate content to drive our show. And if you're enjoying this episode, look for the rest of our library. You can find that on podcasts.com and Apple Podcasts. Again, search for the From Checker to Green podcast. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Welcome back, race fans. Thank you, Ryan, and welcome back. We have a extended checkered segment here, and we're going to get into some open-wheel racing. We're going to talk about two exciting IndyCar races and a very exciting Formula One race from Monza. So, gentlemen, let's start with IndyCar, and let's talk about the Grand Prix of Portland. And when we last were talking about IndyCar, we were talking about the struggles that Alex Palou had, and the point lead that he had given up that pedal award had um, had built on and going into Portland pedal award had a 10 point lead. Well, that all changed in Portland and it got very hectic on the first lap of the race. I don't know if you guys saw this, but that something about, that race weekend and hairpin turns at Monza and Portland got very interesting. Those going into turn one. And there was a big, like almost wreck, like where cars all went around. They took the green numerous cars were involved. Um, the, the six, the 12, the 29, the 45 and the 51, um, Hinchcliffe, Castroneves, Will Power, um, Erickson, and Grosjean were all involved in this, but it kind of also, it kind of started in the beginning when um, Dixon kind of got forced um, out, and it caused him and Palou to miss the corner, so very long caution, but once racing got under the way, it was actually Alex Palou having the day leading 29 laps, according to racing reference and winning the race. But the trouble was, was that Pedro award had a really tough day and ended up 14th. He, he was on the lead lap. He led 28 laps. But with that, he only gained 17 points to the 52 that Alex Palou had, and which really meant that the points lead being 10 down for Palou, now Palou was 25 points ahead after this. But your your top ten, your your top three were Palou, Rossi, and Dixon. Other nobles, Newgarn was fifth. Um, McLaughlin was ninth. Um, Connor Daly was 16th. Jimmy Johnson was 20th. James Hinchcliffe finished last due to that that crash. Um, gentlemen, it was a very interesting race. Portland got very interesting, but it was Palou's day. 
your guys' thoughts about this? Um, I'll, I'll offer mine briefly. Um, yeah, David, to your point, yeah, the first first lap, first turn was absolutely helter skelter. Cars going everywhere, um, and yeah, it could have very well had some some major implications on the championship. But um, everybody, I, I think uh, everybody made it that was in the the uh, the series hunt was able to make it through okay, um, and. At the, and the funny part was at the beginning of the day, it was Pato Award that was bringing the noise. I think he led the first 28 laps, according to Racing Reference. So Yeah, he um, did he, because, because he was involved, because um, Palou was involved in that incident. Oh, okay. He, um, he got forced off with Dixon. It, it, it just was, you know, chain reaction. Yeah, no, it was, no question. Um and so, um, but yeah, once, once Polo recovered and took the lead, I think, um, award may have gotten sideways with, uh, strategy and stuff and just wasn't able to recover and, uh, just had a, had a mediocre finish. And at this point in the season, you can't have that. And yeah. so, uh, credit to Polo for recovering and, taking his season back and, you know, taking his championship drive back too. Um, it was, it was a masterful drive by him and, um, you know, uh, a, a great recovery by him and his team. So kudos to them. Yeah, it definitely was a Polo's month in, in August and he finally got back on track. Right, Ryan, your thoughts on Portland? I believe the word that I would use early on in that race would be unbridled chaos. But once, you know, that mess got sorted out. Yeah. Basically Alex Palou just found his groove and he did not let it go. And it earned him a well-deserved checkered flag and pardon the pun. It's for the championship on it, put him in the driver's seat. Uh, Most certainly. And it got even better the following week at Laguna Seca. Now we talked about 25 point difference and we had about five guys in the championship hunt, literally Palou award, Newgarn, Dixon and Erickson. Three of those guys are Ganassi and Laguna Seca was very interesting. Colton Herda, who, you know, over the past few years has been a dominant on road courses and, and road courses have been his suit. His dad, Brian Herta, um, you know, any car driver, Brian Herta, um, you know, his is helping him out. He is his race strategist and it was Colton Herta's day at Laguna Seca. He wins it. This is the first track he repeats at as a winner. He led 91 laps, according to Racing Reference. Had dominant day. Roman Grosjean led the other four. um, And he was starting to chase him down at the end, except, well, he he tried to take a move on Jimmy Johnson and got hung up a little. Um, Got off the track a little. Jimmy got off on the track. um, And that kind of ended Grosjean's run. But 
at you know at the time he was making up probably a good half a second um to a second a, a lap and he was really reeling them down but that that was your top three Pato award was fifth marcus erickson sixth scott dixon finished 13th that on that day, Jimmy Johnson 17th, but it was a really good race. Only one caution, and that was for the 27 of Rossi spinning. Takuma Sao finished last due to a diffuser problem. Um, but it was it was green throughout there. Colton Her led laps one through eighteen. Then was Grosjean when um Herda went to pit. And then Herta took over again, 20 to 68. Grosjean led from 69 to 71. And it was Herta from there to the end. But it did shake up the championship standings a little bit more. The reason I say this is that Dixon and Marcus Erickson essentially became eliminated from the, the championship hunt. And Lee Diffie probably said it best. They become teammates um they they become essentially teammate team orders going into long beach because palu is is their teammate and hunt for the championship so essentially it's coming down to palu award new garden has a faint shot 48 behind award 35 behind going into laguna sake or going into long beach we will preview Long Beach a little bit later. We've got some final thoughts on who we think will win the championship. But overall, it was a very good race at Laguna Seca. Very clean, not chaotic as, as it was in Portland in the beginning. Gentlemen, your thoughts. That was probably one of the cleanest and most well-won races this season, in my opinion. Just like aside from that one caution, it was just quality racing from green to checkered. And Herta was just absolutely on fire in this. He he was the dominant force on this track today. And for that, well done, sir. A well-earned victory. And as always, you never quite count things out until the very last checkered flag falls because it may not have done a lot, but it's definitely done enough to keep it interesting for the championship. Indeed, it has. Um, you know, first, this is a masterclass of dominance by uh, Colton Herta um, and getting a huge win for him and the Andretti team. Uh, that's that's a big, big, big deal for them going forward. Um, and, you know, we saw our two main championship contenders both have good days, um, but Again, Polo responding to the challenges of, of recent weeks um, and backing up his win at Portland with a solid second place result at Laguna Seca. Um, and, you know, award, he wasn't slouching either. I mean, he finished fifth, but that's a 10 point difference there. And when you're talking about 35 versus 25 or, um, you know, anywhere in between, you know, those, those points add up. Um, and so, um, it, it, um, you know, that'll have ramifications later on, but, um, or it may, 
it may have ramifications later on, but uh, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how that all plays out. And we'll talk more about uh, Long Beach here in a little while, but um, yeah. And to both of your points, uh, you know, an absolute dominant performance by Colton Herta um, and, you know, very smart racing and uh, a good result, a very badly needed good result for um, Alex Pelot heading into the season finale. Yeah, I, m- most certainly indeed. And, and Herta, I mean, he is, I mean, ever since he won his first race at um, Barber, a few years ago, he is, or in 2019, he is just a, um, he's good on road courses and, you know, that's his niche there. And I just think that, um, I think if, if he can, if he could just string it together and, and put something on an ovals, I think he can be a very good championship contender, but the issue is, is that I, I think he, his ovals are not, not the best. He, he can be up there, but he's, he's, he's just more better on, on road courses. And I just, you know, I, I like him. I, I think he's a, a really good talent. Um, you know, you know, eventually, you need somebody to step in when, you know, a, a Paginal retires, when, you know, Castro Nevis finally retires, when Dixon finally retires. You know, you need those young faces. And Rossi and Herda, um, you know, Grosjean, I, you know, I think these guys are definitely, you know, in award, are definitely going to be the face of IndyCar. So I think it's really good that Herta's come along because in the beginning, I think there was just so much doubt with him. Yeah, he's definitely coming along this year. I mean, looking at his stats uh, from racing reference, you know, three poles, two wins, um, you know, several top fives. And, uh, you know, David, to your point, uh, most of them being on road courses, the sole exception being a fifth place um, at the second race at Texas Motor Speedway uh, earlier this spring. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, to your point, this is a driver that is, you know, steadily coming along. He's sixth in points. Um, you know, has had some some hard luck at times this year, um, you know, finishing poorly in uh, at the f- opener at Birmingham, at uh, Barber, uh, the first race at Texas, uh, getting caught up in a wreck in in Nashville late, and then uh, having a drive shaft failure at Gateway and finishing 18th, um, and finishing 16th at the Indy 500. So, um, you know, having some some tough races, but at the same time also, uh, you know, showing some some more signs of promise. So, yeah. definitely could be, um, you know, one of these drivers consistently contending for championships later on in his career. Yeah, and especially with, with the news coming out today that his teammate next year is going to be Grosjean, um, which makes it very interesting. That's something we'll talk about in another episode down the road. But yeah, 
I mean, yep. now it's gonna now. I mean, it, it's a younger Andretti team coming together, and um, probably something that um, Andretti needs to be to be able to compete with Ganassi and Penske. Is he's got a you know having that young talent there? So, but yep. Ryan, your thoughts about it? Oh, I think it's just, you know, showing that he's really, really coming into his own over these last couple of seasons, he being Colton Herta, that is. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination to give him the consideration of potentially being the face of the future of IndyCar. Most certainly, indeed. So, gentlemen, we had IndyCar races But we also had a very exciting Formula One race, and we got we got some some hot takes to talk about this one because um, again we have a a hot bail going on between Red Bull and Mercedes, and wow, what Monza was! (laughs) So let's talk about it. So we went when we talked about going into Monza and we previewed, we were talking about um, some key points. Uh, Bottas having to having a sixth place grid penalty as a result of his incident, uh, uh, the race before, which ended up um, him having to start 19th. Um, or actually he had, he actually had a, it it was sprint qualifying too. He actually ended up starting in the back, um, because of of some issues there. Plus he had a, 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 I believe his grid penalty had kicked in as well. So he had to start in the back. So on the pole, it was for stamping outside was Daniel Ricardo due to the, um, you know, due to the sprint qualifying, Lando Norris was starting third. So you had Red Bull and McLaren. You had Sergio Perez, who um, um, who started who who started eighth. Um, and actually, correction about Baz, his grid penalty was um, at Spa. He had a. Um, he had been, he had qualified first for the sprint qualifying, but then there was an issue after that ended up him getting penalized for that. And he had to start in the back, but to continue, they take the green Ricardo jumps out to the lead. So McLaren is in the lead. Ricardo gives up the lead to Verstappen on lap 22. Verstappen gives up the lead a lap later to Lando Norris, McLaren's teammate. Lewis Hamilton takes the lead on lap 24 when Norris goes to pet. Then on lap, on lap 20, or, or sorry, Hamilton gives up the lead to Charles Leclerc on lap 26 when he pets. We come to lap 27, gentlemen. And if anyone who's listening who saw this race, 
is probably got the same thought. Monza has that tight first corner. Hamilton comes out. Ricardo's or sorry, for Stappen's coming by. And boom, we have a crash. We have a very severe crash. Hamilton, you know, we'll give our takes on after, but what had happened was they collided and the curbing launched for stepping up and he went up over um, Hamilton's car and the rear wheel came down right on top of Lewis Hamilton's helmet. Good thing for the halo because it, it saved Hamilton that day. But they both got taken out, no points for them. So what happens? Well, Sergio Perez is doing well, except Perez ends up with a five-second penalty for going off the track in a corner, um, which at the end, Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris take one-two with McLaren. Bodice is third, and Leclerc is fourth due to that Perez penalty. So the championship points don't change because Verstappen and Hamilton got zero points because they were out. Actually, according to Racing Reference, he actually got two points, and that's probably because he took the pole in in the sprint qualifying. Um, If anyone could can confirm that Ryan Elliott I believe that's where he got that from so he actually ended up with two points so now he's extended the lead to five on Hamilton according to racing reference but other notables Lance Stroll was seventh Latifi was 11th Vettel 12th Mick Schumacher 15th four cars DNF Gasly and Sonoda were also with Hamilton for Stappen who did not finish so and actually Sonoda did not start um actually five didn't finish because Mazepin actually had engine failure so gentlemen let's talk about Monza but you know congrats to Ricardo but let's talk about this rock Let's let's talk about it. Kind of, you know, find out, get your thoughts. Um, one, do is it a racing incident? Do you think regard um, for Stappen was aggressive, or do you think Hamilton was aggressive? What what's your takes about it? And Ryan, I'll let you start. All right. Well, I can confirm that that uh, two-point addition is true. I've referenced that on Formula One's official website, and that is a thing that happened. So we can clear the air of that one right up front. Thank you. Do what I can. And as far as the crash goes, the way it looked to me, I remind you, this is just coming from me, the humble outside viewer. I am not affiliated in any way with Formula One, so this is simply an opinion. Please don't have me killed later. What it looked like to me, coming out of the pit, Hamilton had the lead. Verstappen tried to squeeze him out, but it didn't work. He couldn't catch him to get to the pit. But the problem is he came up so hard 
and so fast he could not adjust coming into the turn and because of that he as far as i'm concerned instigated that collision because he was going too fast to be able to make any sort of emergency maneuver and him clipping the back of hamilton's car after the curbing decided to forcibly move him in that direction because he was given no choice and thus was the result of the crash and even right from the mouth of lewis hamilton himself was thank god for the halo he is quoted on that on formula one's website and based on what i saw i could not agree more the halo saved his bacon Elliot, your thoughts? Uh, This is exactly how two rivals who, by all appearances from uh, another outsider, don't really like each other very much, race. Um, And there were tremendous stakes on the line of who was able to be in front of the other after this round of pit stops was done. Um, you know, Hamilton was coming off a of pit road and it was going to be a tight squeeze on whether or not he was going to be able to stay out ahead of Verstappen. And, um, you know, they went down into turns one and two, you know, a slow speed chicane. And, um, you know, it almost reminded me of, um, you know, Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick at Bristol. Um, you know, I think Hamilton didn't really give Verstappen enough, enough room to be able to make turn two and uh, Verstappen hit that curbing and, you know, they, they took each other out. So, um, you know, if, if I'm being asked to choose one way or the other, I think Hamilton forced Verstappen over. I don't think Verstappen had um, any opportunity of making turn two on that basis. Um, You know, had that, that, curbing not been there to you know that launched him airborne um and uh you know into the side of of hamilton's car then you know it'd probably be a different story but um you know and they probably would have made it out and it would have been just like um i think it was imola earlier this year um mm-hmm. you know where they had some you know uh, some chippy racing to start the day um you know but they both continued on in this case they didn't and so for them, the, the driver's champ, uh, championship didn't really, you know, mean much of anything, you know, a couple of points for, for Stappen, um, as, as both of you pointed out, but, uh, from the manufacturer's standpoint, um, you know, it did have more sizable implications because, um, Perez had a decent day, but he didn't have as decent of a day as, uh, Valtteri Bottas did. And so, uh, that was, I believe, a ten-point swing. Yeah, um, it 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 definitely was. I mean, because Perez was actually set to be locked up for third. Yep, and so he Perez finishes fifth, Bottas third. So it's yep. actually Bottas Bottas, a whatever however you pronounce his last swing. name, but yep. So he had eight-point swing there, um, and so looking at the constructor standings on the formula one website, um, it is an 18 point difference between Mercedes and Red Bull with Mercedes superior of the two right now. Um, and then you've got McLaren 
a distant third and a Ferrari and um, Scuderia Ferrari, not that far behind McLaren. Um, and so let's, you know, talking about McLaren, I mean, you cannot ask for a better day than they had uh, with Ricardo uh, breaking a very long winless streak uh, for him and for McLaren and winning, you know, a historically important race at Monza and his teammate Lando Norris bringing it home second. Uh, that's, you can't ask for a bigger day for a team than that. And then, um, you know, on the, the flip side of that, um, you had, well, not really the flip side, but, you know, on, the, on pretty much the same side of the same coin, you had Ferrari having a, a pretty decent day too for them uh, with Leclerc finishing fourth and Science finishing sixth. So um, on any other weekend, uh, that would be exceptional for, for both teams. Um, well, and it was, but in terms of the manufacturer's standings, um, it gave McLaren just a little bit more breathing room over Ferrari for third place in the constructors, uh, championship. But, um, but yeah, as far as Hamilton and Verstappen go, I mean, this is, I think par for the course at this point, they've set the precedent, um, you know, at different points throughout the year, but I think no, none more so than at Silverstone. And quite frankly, I think we're going to see more of this going through the rest of the year. And we're going to see more politicking from Toto Wolf and Christian Horner and, you know, sniping back and forth and probably emails being sent back and forth during the race uh, to, you know, the, the stewards. And I think this is how it's going to be the rest of the year. And um, yeah, you know, credit to the, the Halo as well for, um, for working as designed and in so doing, yeah, likely saving Lewis Hamilton from severe injury or worse. Um, but this is how it's going to be the rest of the year. Um, these two are not going to give each other an inch and it's, you know, provided nobody gets hurt will be to um, our, our benefit as viewers um, who are watching one hell of a championship fight um, as we come into the fall and eventually into December. Most certainly. And I, you know, I, I just want to give, give my thoughts about, about it. And yeah, it, it's going to be a very interesting championship. I I've said before, I think I see Red Bull winning, you know, I, I see first stepping win the championship, but Mercedes taking the constructors. I just see that happening. Um, but with the incident, I, you know, I want to blame for stepping. I want to blame Hamilton. I blame Monza. I, you know, it, it's a very tight corner. Those pits, they come out, you know, you come out quick. Um, it's, it is something that just happens. Um, I think first step in could have laid off a little, but when it's a hot championship on the line, when, when things are hot and, you know, intense, I think you're going to try to pull out all the stops. I think Hamilton could have gave him a little bit room and just taken it and fought to try to overtake them with the fresher tires, but it didn't happen. They wrecked. 
they both get no points. So first, you know, this this has happened a few times this year where they've ended up with no points. Um, so I think that that's you know my take with that. But the Halo is is a you know is is great. I mean, this is the second time I have seen in a Formula One race the Halo do what it should do. Um, the other time was a few years ago at a track. I'm trying to think where it was. There was a crash on the start, and I believe it was Fernando Alonso, someone, when, when he was with McLaren, someone went right over the top of him. I believe it may have been strolled by. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he went right over the top of him. And the halo did its job. So, um, you know, yeah, kudos obviously to we this. can't forget uh, Grosjean. At, I think it was Bahrain last year, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Grosjean and Bahrain. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was more referencing where a car went over another car. But, yeah, that, true, that also. I mean, so safety has come along the way. Um, especially in a chippy battle here. So it's going to be exciting coming down to the end and we will see what happens this weekend. But mm-hmm. with, with that said, gentlemen, we've got to take a break. Ryan's got something from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to preview Vegas for NASCAR, Long Beach for IndyCar, and Sochi for Formula One. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Looking to improve your business identity? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the resources to make your business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. With options from logo and business card designs to advertising options such as postcards, flyers, and posters, you can get your name out to where it needs to be among your customers. If you're interested, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. It's time to go green, and it's time for us to look at uh, some very exciting racing coming up this weekend across all of the different um, motorsports disciplines, and let's get right into it. We've got a, a one hot weekend upcoming in Vegas uh, for the NASCAR folks, and let's talk about it. Um, round two of the, uh, the cup playoffs start this weekend. Uh, round one of the Xfinity playoffs starts this weekend. We talked about Xfinity before, but uh, let's talk about Cup and let's break down um, who we think is going to be a threat uh, this coming weekend. Um, so uh, this is a track, it's a mile and a half. And uh, to me, I think this this track favors um, you know some of these teams that have been historically really hot here. Um, you know, pardon the pun, but I think 
um, you know, the, the familiar headline that we've seen at this point of Gibbs versus Hendrick um, with the Penske driver or two in there to steal, uh, steal the show is going to carry on this weekend. Um, I think you might see somebody that um, likes to take a risk and, you know, run a really high line like a Kyle Larson, like a Tyler Reddick, like a Ross Chastain do really well here. Um, and so, you know, my first odds on favorite thinks that uh, this might be um, Larson's race to lose. What do y'all think? I, I have to agree. It, it definitely is Larson's race to lose. Remember, this is the track I believe he won at, right? He, he won the spring race, I believe, there. Um, or, or one of the hundred guys said, I think it was, I, I, somebody correct me if I'm wrong here, um, but I think it, it definitely is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it was Larson. Larson won it in the spring. And, um, you know, he's on the pole this weekend. He, you know, this is a track that I think is good. Hendrick's been good at these cookie cutter tracks this year. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see because um, you actually have Harvick starting fifth this weekend. Um, you know, this, you know, you know, the Las Vegas has been good to the blue ovals um, in, in the past. So could this be the race that Harvick finally scores that much needed victory this season? I mean, if Hamlin could do it, Harvick can do it. So I think it's going to be very interesting, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, putting my money on Larson this weekend. Um, if I were to bet in Vegas, I, I'd say Larson, then maybe Harvick. You guys, uh, Ryan, your thoughts? I think Kyle Larson is far and away the safest bet in the house. And being that he's starting on the pole, it gives him that very, very much appreciated opportunity to get into that groove that helped him win earlier in the season. And if he does find that groove again early on, some of these other drivers are going to have to move mountains to knock him off. Yeah, no question. Um, and it'll be interesting also to see the um, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick storyline continue here. Um, you know, if it continues and if so, how, um, with that said, um, you know, the Stuart Haas guys, I don't, I don't recall them running particularly well here in the spring. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Harvick has definitely found something here in recent weeks. Um, and one could even make an argument that Almirola was too. Um, you know, he just kind of fell off late um, at Bristol and, you know, didn't have the, the speed needed to break through into the second round. But with that said, that is a team that has, has shown some improvement here in recent weeks. So do we see Harvick, um, you know, hanging around up in the, the top five and contending for a win? And, you know, how much do we see Chase Elliott up there too? I think we will. Um, and how does that storyline play out too? It'll be interesting to watch for sure. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely indeed. And I don't, I mean, we're in a stretch here where I don't think you're, you're I mean, I, I think the make your break it race will eventually be in a couple of weeks, which is the, the Charlotte Roval. But I don't, you know, I think this race, um, you know, you know, we, we were at, we've been on a couple of short tracks, bullring types. Now we're on this, um, you know, we're, we're on a, a bigger track here that tends to be a little more wide open. Um, you, you can get different lines running on the track. So I, I think a lot of people can give their distance. And I think going into the round of 12 here, um, these 12 guys don't want to have a bad day because the last thing you need is to be going into the Roval in a few weeks in Charlotte with your butt on the line. Um, you, you got to have a good run here. I think you're going to see a lot of these championship contenders stay up in the top 20, um, which is going to make it very interesting going into the next couple weeks. But, We'll see what happens. It, it'll be very interesting. I like to see what Harvick and, and Elliot do. Are they going to get together? Are they going to give, or are they going to give each other space? That's going to be the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Hey, we want to go to Vegas and, and lay down some odds here. <laughs> well, uh, um, no, I don't bet my money. I bet my life. There you go. Um, Given that how big of a hole Kevin Harvick has to come from, uh, you know, after the, the points are reset heading into this round, you never know. Um, yeah. You know, doesn't really I mean, have a whole lot a, to lose. So, a, a win would, would, ease, would ease his thoughts the next couple of weeks. It would, for sure. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. So, uh, moving on. Um, what do we want to talk about next? IndyCar or Formula One? Well, let's talk about IndyCar because um, they're at Long Beach this weekend. They, this is the last race. We'll give our picks in the final thoughts today. But, um, you know, on who's going to win that championship. But um, with this, I mean, what a way to end the IndyCar season at Long Beach, at a track that is famous, that is a great street course, 11 turn street course, almost two miles. It's 1.968 miles long. And looking at the track map, I mean, you've got Shoreline Drive, which has the start you know, it, you know, that's the, where your start line is on shoreline drive, that long straightaway, which a lot of good passing occurs. You get into that turn one tight, you know, you got two and three, you know, very tight corners, um, almost hairpin, like almost single car racing, going through one, two, three, four, and five. And then you got seaside way, which is a, a big race that goes, um, you know, goes right through that building. Um, you, you've got nine, you know, Firestone Turn, which is going to be interesting corner. You've got that Hairpin 11, which comes onto Shoreline. But 
you know, it, it's going to be a very great track. I mean, it's a great racing, but I want to tell you guys pit strategies. I want to talk a little bit about the pit stalls because they've actually listed the pit stalls right now. And with it said, Alex Palou has the fourth pit stall. Joseph Newgarden has the third pit stall and Alex P- or Impeto Award has the sixth pit stall. All those guys are right near each other. So it I it's going to come down to this weekend tire strategy. I'm I'm going to put that and where you qualify. Um qualifying's going to be big because there's a lot of single car lanes there. Not a lot, you know, there's parts where you can't pass. Um, and tires come into play. Do you go for the softer tires, the, the red walls, or do you stay, stick with the harder tires, the, the, the white walls? Um, it's going to be very interesting going into it. Um, we don't have qualifying yet. That will be tomorrow. The two rounds with qualifying where you have, um, you know, from three to five, you have the two groups and then you get the fast six. So it's going to be very interesting to see where that goes. And then it's a 3 p.m. race on NBC Sports this weekend um, for that championship. But gentlemen, it's Long Beach. That's all I can say. Your guys' thoughts. Well, let's face it, it's Long Beach. It's all you really had to say when you think about it. But I think aside from tire management and pit strategy, which I think are going to be two of the three most critical elements in the race this week, I think the final piece of that puzzle is going to be uh, turn management, especially into the straightaways. And if you guys look at the map of the track, there's that one hairpin turn that really stands out. Primarily because the last couple of weeks, uh, hairpin turns have been the bane of the existence of most drivers in open wheel racing. So that right there could make or break the championship if they're not careful. Um, I do have first practice results up. If you guys want to know, and Elliot, this might play into your thoughts a little bit more. Herta was first. At 102.281, Palu was third at 102.005, Pajanon was second, and Pado Award, um, well, Newgarden was 10th at 101.42, Pado Award 16th at 100.858 miles per hour. Yep, Um, and I'm uh, I have an article up here from uh, racer.com written by Mark Glendening um, this evening. Uh, so we're recording here on Friday, the 24th, and um, who recapped the opening practice today from Long Beach. And yeah, um, uh, heard of uh, pacing the field uh, today, but it was marked, you know, not just by um, Andretti taking. Um, you know, the fast time of the day from Ganassi, which set it early. Um, but 
also the fact that so many cars had trouble of some kind during the opening practice. Uh, there were a lot of people that had big slides, spins, skirmishes with a wall, damaged race cars. Um, and uh, one of the main championship contenders, um, uh, Pato Award, uh, by all appearances, not having completely resolved uh, his, his handling issues from, from recent races. Um, even though he, uh, he finished, I believe it was fifth at Laguna Seca, uh, he was still pretty disappointed by that result and isn't finding much more success here at, uh, at Long Beach to this point. Um, but um, Jimmy Johnson had some problems. Um, uh, uh, Joseph Newgarden had some problems. He had a, a spin installed out. They had a, a red flag for him. Scott Dixon had a spin and a red flag for him. Jimmy Johnson spun twice. Oliver Askew hit the wall twice. Um, and uh, Romain Grosjean, who's been... Um, you know, one of the odds on favorites here recently on road courses, he had um, a scare where he had to bail out down an escape road. Um, so um, just a, a lot of, a lot of issues out there today. And uh, somebody um, said it here and I'm going to pull the, the quote up. Um, and I think it was a wart. Um, he said, qualifying is going to be everything here. And I agree with them completely. I think, um, you know, the rest of the race, notwithstanding, I think that that charge down into the first turn on the first lap is going to be one of the most entertaining and wild um, racing sequences of the season across all of motorsport, um, given how many issues have been seen thus far just in practice we're talking about practice not the race not the race we're talking about practice um it's this is going to be an entertaining race and i don't think you want to be you want to be starting on pole if at all possible you do not want to be starting eighth or tenth in the midst of what I think will be the eye of the storm, or you're going to have people going three, four wide, some of whom are probably under more control than others going into that first turn. It's going to be, I think, a wild race. And I think we'll probably have more than one go at starting the race. Um, that's just my feeling. I, you know, I, I, I have to agree with you, Elliot, but I, I one point there, Remember, they, the one thing about Long Beach is they come out of that tight turn at 11 and then start going up to speed. So one of the benefits of that is that they can start to string out when they start getting to one because they, they've kind of started to string out because one car will, you know, the, the, first couple cars will start to take the, then the next few, then the next few. So you, you could get, you could have a hectic start, but you could also have a nice clean start there. Um, but one point um, heard it on the dot top, who's won, what team has won the last couple races and has probably been synonymous with the success at Long Beach. 
speech, and that's Andretti. Because Andretti, Michael Andretti and Mario Andretti used to be dominant there. You couldn't, you couldn't, um, you know, you couldn't beat them in the 80s and the 90s there. You couldn't beat M- M- Mario Andretti in, 70, in the 70s when Formula One was there. That is, I mean, they know how to get around with that. And I think with Herta being on top, I think it's going to be very interesting to see because if he ends up qualifying, forget it. I, I think Herta will win it this weekend. I can see Herta winning it, and that's where I'm going to place my bet. Um, who do you think wins it? Well, I think your, your thought about Herta is a good one, um, but given the way that practice went, and I think given – the nerves that are going into this last race. I think this race is going to be so unpredictable that I don't think um, anybody has a reliable chance of, of winning. I'm going to go out on a limb, quite frankly, and say that um, Romain Grosjean is going to pick up his first win this weekend. I can see that happening. Ryan? Well, there's a dark horse that neither of you mentioned. And that would be the person who's got the last two consecutive wins. And that's Alexander Rossi. Then that's someone who's clearly solved the puzzle in that race. When you're two consecutive wins, uh, that's somebody to keep a weathered eye on. I could see Rossi winning it, but it's the, the issue with Rossi this year is that it's been either good for him or it hasn't been. And I think if he just, if he has a good day, yeah, he, he's going to be in for it, in for the hunt, and definitely that dark horse. But if he has a bad day, it's, he just factor, doesn't get factored into it. And that's been the year for him. Um, that's been the year for him. That's been um, Ryan Hunter Ray's year. That's been Hinchcliffe's year. Well, Hinchcliffe's kind of just just graveyard spiraled, but you know, Harsh, I, accurate. Well, it, well, it is. I mean, it's why he's not coming back next year. It's why Hunter Ray's not coming back next year. It, it, you know, they they just haven't kicked Rossi out is because they, they signed the deals because Rossi's had that success. But yeah, I, I, I think if he has a good day, yes. And, and Grant Rossi would, has been up there. But he, you know, I, I think it, it's all going to be what happens. And I think Elliot mentioned it, it's going to be that first corner for sure. No argument here. So it, it's going to be an exciting race. That's on NBC Sports at 3 p.m. Um, the NASCAR race is on NBC. We've got in the morning Formula One from Russia, from Sochi, which is at the Sochi Autodrome which is a, you know, they've ran in 2014. This is where the Olympics were, the Winter Olympics were a few years ago. They've actually turned that area into a um, temporary Formula One course. Um, It's a street circuit, according to the Formula One page. Um, Lewis Hamilton won the first race there. 
um, at, in 2014. And according to them, you look at the map of the track, and I agree, you can't, uh, you know, you see turn two, three, and four, that big sweeping carousel left-hand turn that is, you know, you hairpin and then you sweep into that turn. It's, um, you know, it, it's a, according to this, a 750 meter consistent um, radius left-hander that takes them outside this fountain. So this is going around a fountain essentially, and there's going to be some rapid changes, 90 degree bends like turn five, turn 10, turn 13, um, 17, 18 are 90 degree bends. You know, there's one DRS zone and that's um, turn one into turn two before you get into that sweeping turn. Um, or actually, there's two DRS zones. There's also one coming out of 10 and going into 13. Um, it's a 53-lap race. So one lap a little bit longer than, um, than Manza uh, past couple weeks. The interesting news that came out today, um, I actually heard this this morning, um, Max Verstappen is actually going to have to start from the back um, because of his crash um, at um, Monza. They, well, they originally lost a power unit as crash at the British Grand Prix. And because he already had three grid penalty, um, he's has to actually start from the back now because he took another power unit. So, and that's according to Chris Medlin on racer.com. So this is going to be very interesting this weekend because now Verstappen's going to be in the back and he's going to have to work his way up. Remember, five points for the championship difference. If Mercedes has a really good qualifying day, Tomorrow, tomorrow, and they qualify well. This championship changes, so this can be a game changer. And I think now with Verstappen, he's going to have to figure out strategy, um, overcut or undercut. How many positions can he get? The good news is, is because he's starting in the back, he can. Um, he can use a different set of tires. So if Perez, Hamilton, Bottas all qualify on the softer tires and are up in the top 10, and he has started the back, he could start on the mediums or the hards and gain positions there. He'll be a little bit slower, but he can gain the positions throughout the track. So it's going to be very interesting this weekend for this race. Guys, I'll actually start with you, Elliot. Your thoughts going into Formula, into Sochi this weekend? Um, well, I mean, obviously the, um, the revelation that there's going to be an engine change and that Verstappen's going to be starting from the back 
um, is huge. And usually starting from the back does not beget a high points gathering day for anybody. It happens rarely. Um, and usually with the help of more than one safety car, yeah. regardless of whether or not he's going to be running softs the whole time, which unto itself, yes, it may have some, some benefits, but then there's also the matter of, well, passing other cars. Um, so there's that, but, um, if, um, if they get lucky and they, they hit some of these safety cars just right. And that's also providing that other, other drivers are feeling frisky enough to, uh, you know, knock each other off the racetrack or knock themselves off the racetrack. Then, um, you know, you could still have a decent day out of it, but clearly, um, Mercedes is ahead to start the weekend. And then when you look at the first couple of free practice times, um, it's been Bottas and Hamilton uh, pretty much running away with it uh, both times. So it's, it's this race thus far is looking like it's Mercedes to lose. Which weather's going to play a part in this as well, because Chris Medlin on racer.com did write later on, um, the reason Red Bull took the, the penalty and do the, the um, power unit decision is because it's going to be extremely wet for qualifying. So, uh, yeah, well, that, that this is, yep. Yeah, so, the, uh, so, you're right, it is Mercedes to lose. But, um, they, they are, you know, it, they, you know, if it's going to be wet, um, and because they, they and, and Formula One's already, you know, planning on heavy rains and gang thoughts and they, they're shuffling around the support races, Formula Three ran to ran Friday evening, um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting going into this weekend. So we may, th this might be a big gamble for them that might pay off. Ryan, your thoughts. Oh, I think this is going to be another one of those, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat because it's all you're really going to need kind of races. But the, the ace in the hole that Mercedes is going in with, believe it or not, is Bottas. Because Bottas has wins here. And that's the sort of thing that can have your team as a whole working very well together because they have the obvious skill of Hamilton. But with Bottas's winning traditions here, that's why those guys can, even under the, the most likely wet conditions, makes them a very dangerous and effective one-two punch. Definitely in, indeed. So it's going to be a very interesting weekend. We, we've got an exciting race weekend, gentlemen. It's, you know, get your popcorn, sit down, watch some races. I'll say this, watch the Formula One race. If you're an NFL fan, watch some of the one o'clock games, then watch some, then start flipping about three o'clock between three different channels to a NASCAR race, to an IndyCar race, 
your football team's doing well, watch that. If they're blowing out, if if they're getting blown out or if they're blowing out another team, watch the NASCAR IndyCar, see what happens. It's going to be interesting this weekend. So very good sports weekend this weekend. So, and hopefully it will definitely draw on to ratings. Actually, um, correction, um, I believe the NASCAR race is going to be on NBC Sports, gentlemen. Is that correct? Or That is correct. Okay, because the Ryder Cup's this weekend. So if you're into golf, watch a little of the Ryder Cup, watch the NFL, but pay attention to more of the racing. It's going to be interesting. And as a public service announcement, with all the sports going on, take care of your neck. Nobody likes whiplash. Because you'll be looking in a lot of directions real quick. That's when you set up multiple TVs in your living room. Well, let me tell you how to live. Hey, I worked at Radio Shack. I know how to put multiple sports on different TVs. It's not hard. It's a beautiful thing now. It's become so much more (laughs) user-friendly. Most certainly. So, gentlemen... This has been a, a, a great episode. We've got a lot of exciting racing, but we've got one final thought to talk about. Let's take our picks. Who do you think wins the IndyCar championship? And Elliot, we will start with you. As I talked about before, I think this weekend is so unpredictable, even with a 35-point lead. Um, I think any lead that puts anybody else in contention mathematically to win this thing um, is raises too many questions about who is actually going to end up winning this thing. I think the odds on favorite is Palo. Um, I think there's, when you look at all of the different scenarios that can play out here, um, you know, Palo could have a problem and award doesn't right. Or, both Polo and Award have problems, in which case it's kind of a wash, right? So um, this is going to be a race, I think, of just who can survive and persevere, quite frankly, um, for these championship contenders. And so with that in mind, I think uh, Polo has just enough to be able to to eke this one out but i get a feeling this is going to be a heck of a a lot more entertaining of a finale as it pertains to the championship than the standings belie it going into it ryan your final thoughts on who's going to win the indycar championship if below qualifies even slightly as well as he did in practice the championship is his i don't feel the need to be overly wordy about it if he gets a good result in the qualifications i see him raising the championship i think you know it's his year i i think it's i think it's going to be Ganassi wins a championship for the second straight year. Um, I think it's it will be Palo. I just think he, you know, 
he's he's you know the pressure is on but you have to remember you've got two teammates who um who can assist you um you have your you have scott you know a teammate of scott dixon who's been in this situation before who kept been in the situation numerous times with championships um and he could you know he you know he can definitely give Paluo some a much needed advice i think it will be interesting with qualifying i think it's going to be interesting early on in the race and see how strategy plays out um but i think in the end it is alex Palou will win it um i don't see pedo award um I, I think his hiccups, it, it, the, the timing of the last few races has come into play. And if it was, if he wasn't 35 points down going into this weekend and seeing him stumble um, the past few races, we will, we would have to see. But I, you know, I think it's below in the end. With that said, it's been a great episode, gentlemen. We've talked a lot about it, a lot of exciting racing going on. So with that said, I'm David Mai. We want to thank you for listening to the episode. We have a great bonus episode coming up. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate your feedback. This is Elliot Tardis saying thank you very much for listening this evening. Enjoy the racing this weekend. And we can't wait to share our thoughts with you, um, not only in our bonus episode, but also in episode number 30. Thank you. And this is Ryan Kolpak. We appreciate everyone that takes the time and trouble to listen to what we have to say. Can't say We can't say thank you enough for our, your support. Enjoy a spectacular weekend of racing and we will catch you on the next round this is from checker to green thanks for listening to the checker to green podcast for more information check out our facebook group checkered to green podcast tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the checker to green podcast (laughs) 